Hello, this is your host, Samuel Hansen. This week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different on Strongly Connected Components. What you're about to hear is a project that I've been putting together for a while on the 50 years of mathematics at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. It features a few interviews uh, with different people from the department, both current and past, and I really hope that you like it. Here we go. Our story is going to start in 1957, when the Southern Division of the University of Nevada was formed in Las Vegas. It was then changed to the Nevada Southern University in 1965 and took its current name, the University of Nevada Las Vegas, in 1969. The University of Nevada Las Vegas has been around for a little bit over 50 years now. And as most things that old, it has a long and colorful story. But we're not interested in the entirety of it. Really what we're going to be looking at is what has transpired in the Department of Mathematics at UNLV over the past 50 years or so. Going back to the first accreditation report that I could find, there was a few issues with the mathematics department. Specifically, there was one teacher whose major field was psychology and another one whose major field was physics. That was in 1961. By 1964, there's three full-time faculty, and it was said that they were quite enthusiastic about teaching. The teacher-to-student ratio was adequate, but two of the staff members actually had to teach five distinct courses. And much more importantly, no one in the department had a terminal degree in mathematics. So now we're going to take a step forward one more year to 1965 and hear from a student who was started right about then. Okay, the name is John Green. Uh, the position is a part-time instructor. Uh, I was a student from 1965 through 70. Okay. Uh, then I came back in 74 and did a couple years from 74 to 76 as a teaching assistant and working on my master's. And then I came back in 82 to teach uh, undergraduate mathematics uh, with Lloyd Neatling as the, as the head of the department of uh, undergraduate instruction because Lloyd needed somebody to do that he could rely on. And he noticed I still had what it took to do a math problem because I'd gone to one of his classes and he had a problem up on the board and he was stuck on it, so I had to bail him out. So I got the, I got the job and then I uh, continued to teach until some difficulty was uh, obtained with one of my, a very close friend of mine, a member of the staff by the name of Angel Maleshkov. During the time that Angel was not uh, working for the department, I was not working for the department. But anyway, those are the times I've worked, so that's, that's quite a long time from 82 
to 2010 with a two-year absence there. In the old days, the emphasis in the university is, was in, uh, we didn't really have much of a department. The department had, uh, the head of the department was Malcolm Graham. He had his, edu he had his degree, I believe, from Columbia. And uh, he ran the department uh, primarily with the emphasis on edu uh, education for the uh, secondary school, primary schools, and for, uh, we didn't have an engineering department that was accredited. We didn't have a master's program. <clears throat> they, had hired two they had hired two professors, I believe, from Purdue, by the, one by the name of Mr. Mr. Jensen and Mr. Landacre. And they, uh, they were my, Landacre I uh, took for calculus, the first course, and uh, Graham I took for calculus in the second course. Okay, and uh, Jensen I graded his homework papers. So those were the those were the guys I worked for at the beginning as a as a grader. Fortunately, and I believe it was in the summer, uh, Graham took leave of absence. And uh, Louis Simonoff, who was a member of the staff just recently hired, uh, became temporary department head. And it was at that time we hired our first PhD, real, honest to goodness, PhD in math, not an education type. Neatly had been hired, he was an education type. Uh, Simonoff, with a master's degree, wasn't a PhD. But anyway, he was the head of the department for a short while, and it was him that hired Dr. Verma. What I'm going to need for, from you here is just uh, you to give your name, how long you've been working at UNLV, and the positions you've held. Well, I go by Verma. My first name is Saddam, and nobody can say that anyway, so... Uh, I came in 1967, and I chaired the department from uh, 68 January to 90 January. Uh, that's about 22, 23 years. When I came here, uh, this campus was serving Reno campus. There was really not a program that people were getting degree from Reno, and they could take courses here. And then. <coughs> In '68, we developed a program uh, leading up to the master's degree, and then we started giving our own degree here. We introduced several courses that was needed for that, and we hired several faculty since then. I took my uh, abstract algebra courses from, and Verma was the teacher I took my analysis courses from. And those were the early days.
University had only existed about 13 years at this point, and according to the 1970 accreditation report, the main weakness in the Department of Mathematics at UNLV was in the number of faculty. This was going to be addressed, though. As a matter of fact, the uh, person you're going to hear from next was hired at just about this point. All right, my name is Paul Hazley. I was hired at UNLD in 1968 and retired in December of 2008. So that's 40.5 years. It was a very small, friendly math department. We had a good time back then. I don't know how many faculty there were, but there weren't very many. We had just started the master's program. In fact, when I applied, the night the master's program was supposed to start in 68, but then as usual, there was a delay. I don't know exactly when it got started, but somewhere in the early 70s, by then we had the master's program. Coming from where we came from, which was an ed department, adjunct department, and not really much of a department, to a full-fledged mathematics department with several uh, very good offshoot areas now that have developed statistics for one. So I think they've I think it's done rather well. And it's basically I don't wanna we want to put the credit where credit is due. It's basically the result of Dr. Verma's twenty years of working in this department as head of this department to bring it to where it is right now. Because he brought in all those PhDs during that time. Because he was department head from all you know twenty years. And he brought all of them on, and then that, you get more PhDs, and they'll want more colleagues. And then they get together, and they hire more PhDs, and more and more and more, and you get more positions opening. And that's what really happened. In 1970, only two of the members of the faculty of the mathematics department had terminal degrees in mathematics. By 1980... There's only two of them that didn't. In the accreditation report from 1980, there is a list of 36 different research papers spanning everything from applied math to pure math. And the math department had really grown and grown quite extensively. In fact, by 1990, there will be 27 full-time faculty and 20 part-time faculty. And remember, only 26 years before, the math department had only had three full-time faculty. Oh, okay. Derek DeBose, and uh, I'm currently chair, and I've been here since 87. Okay. Um, so, uh, when you got here, what was, what was the department like in 1987? Um, well... It's like all departments that had faculty that taught math courses. <laughs> However, there weren't very many graduate courses. In fact, um, when I first came here, I tried to teach 707, and basically we were able to get together approximately one and a half students. Okay, so that didn't run. 
so uh, there was no PhD program, of course. You could have a doctoral program in 1973-74, and uh, but uh, we backed out because at that time the unemployment in mathematics was just too much, and we felt it would be demoralizing producing students, and they're not going to get jobs in the market. So we just backed out, and and uh, backing out uh, cost the department. <laughs> it didn't get on again until late 90s. When I was dean of the, what at one time had the name College of Extended Studies, when I was doing that, it was 13 years that ended roughly, I guess in 19, probably around 2000, maybe 1999, 2000, around there. And a lot of the growth happened in those 13 years before that. That's when there was a big spurt at the UNLV. And in Nevada, I mean, we grew a lot in those years. So when I came back into the department, I noticed that it was already split. They were they were all factioned off into the applied people and the statisticians and uh, the pure mathematicians, and they were not getting along like they should. When you're small and know everybody, you have a totally different feeling than when something is big and there's people in the math department that you never see. It's uh, not going to uh, stay one department for much longer, and uh, the reason why is because I like seeing these a lot of these uh, divisions within the department pulling it pulling it apart rather than keeping it together. But that's what I see. I see. Yeah. I see divisions being more divisions than things keeping things together. No, we I lost computer science a long yeah. time ago. Okay, now we had computer science there. Goodbye to them. So, I mean, we could lose statistics next. It could get too big. Not feel at home anymore here. Now I have a statistics department. Could happen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the statisticians want to create their own department. And uh, unless we get somebody who's a unifying Dean, uh, uh, somebody who can run this department and keep everybody happy. See, that's the secret. If you can find somebody that'll run this department and keep everybody reasonably happy, everything will go all right. But our record on on uh, since Verma has not been too good. We went through five or six, and that's ten years time. One of the most interesting chapters in the history of the UNLV math department has to deal with the facility or office space that the math department has had over the years. The accreditation reports have 
labeled the office space as currently deplorable, quite unsatisfactory, inadequate, no identified facility, equipment, or office space, disturbing lack of space, students have difficulty finding instructors. As a matter of fact, the only time that the report stated that the facilities are adequate was in 1964 when there was only three full-time professors. One of the best ways I've heard it described comes from Paul Aisley. In 1968, my office was in a trailer. When I left in 2008, it was back in a trailer. Although it had a fancy name, the, the Central Desert whatever complex. But essentially, it's temporary housing and it's a trailer. The quality of the offices is not the only negative, though. The math department has also been shuttled around quite a few times in its 50-year history. As a matter of fact... And you believe it, I have moved on this campus uh, at least 10 times. One thing that really sticks out is how much we've had to move. Uh, how many moves have you been privy to so far? Well, I started grading papers over in the old social science building, which has now been uh, mowed down and replaced by WRI. And I worked... Uh, we were on the third floor, and what we had was one room with a, ch with, uh, a table, and that was for everybody. All the graders and everybody else, one room and a table, sit down and grade your papers. So we started there. Uh, then, let's see, the next move, you know, let's see, now we moved. Now there was a, now that was there, that was the head of the, that was where the department was for a long time. And then the next move of the department was over in to, to that, uh, we had the Westfall building. Oh, wow. We're in a great big bay with dividers. Now, I didn't get to that period, because that was the period that uh, I was out of town, okay, playing Army. And then that for a while, and then the, uh, then the next thing is they moved us, no, the, wait a second. They moved us into trailers first, and then that. Now, we were, some of them were in trailers in uh, 64, 65, 66. Because then the, oh, there wasn't enough room in that building anymore. So they put a lot of, a lot of the PhDs in trailers. Verma had a trailer, and we graded in... There was one trailer that we all had for grading at the time. So that was the late 60s. In the 70s, they moved everybody over to the that Westfall building for a while. Then they moved them out of there to, I believe, the education building. Yeah, we were in the education building for a long time. We certainly were in buildings before that. When I arrived, we were in the education building. And then I think it was maybe not a random move. I think maybe it was a strategic move. I'm not sure. It was a, I don't necessarily think it was a good move. But we were moved into CBC when it was first built. And actually in CBC, we lost a lot of room. Uh, the offices were much smaller. And the area for the staff to operate the department uh, 
was insufficient for the department to operate because it really wasn't made with areas to operate the offices. It was basically, let's take down a wall between two offices. So we lost a lot of room at CDC. We were supposed to get additional room when engineering and computer science moved out of CBC when their building was finished. And, well, we did, but I think there were quite significant promises made by the then provost, provost to the then chair, Burma, that were in writing that never materialized. Uh, and then um, later we moved to CDC, which has the dis has the has many disadvantages, but it has one advantage is now we almost have enough room to operate. Yeah. But uh, there are several significant disadvantages, including if we need to set up some computer equipment and so on, these rooms probably are impossible to cool the level they need to be. That's the moves. So that's, you know, quite a few moves. Yeah, just seem to shuffle us around. We have no building to our own selves. Yet chemistry, in the meantime, chemistry has a building to itself, physics has a building to itself. Uh, engineering has a building, a very good one, by the way. But not us. We're not being treated with, as, with, with much respect. Well, we have a doctoral program going on, but again, when people and the students visit campus, when they go to graduate school, usually they go make a trip to the campus, visit how things are, and it doesn't give a good impression for math department to be scattered like that, not having a building and not like that. It doesn't impress the students or the people, you know. Even the faculty, if you want to be hired, you know. And, uh, so uh, that is a bad situation, but we cannot do anything about it. You know. uh, the building funding is, uh, you can plan and whatever it is, but there has to be seed money. You know. Public has to donate some money, and the government will give some money, massive money. And nobody wants to donate for math. They want to donate for physics building, chemistry building, and environmental research, policy, and all that. There's a lot of money for that kind of thing, but for math. The UNLV math department has grown and changed rather drastically in the last 50 years or so, but it's nowhere near the end of its path. While I was sitting down with Dr. DeBose, our current chair, I made sure to ask him about what he thought might be in the future of UNLV mathematics. We already doubled in just a short period of time the PhD program. So what's going to have to occur is faculty duties are going to have to change so they're teaching less courses, which is a major problem because we don't have people to teach just calculus and above. But that will have to occur because the graduate students have to have people to mentor them. If it doesn't go that way, then we will have graduate students in the program 
with no one to be to really function as thesis advisors. So, PhD programs growing. Uh, it's going to continue to grow. There'll probably be at some point uh, upwards of 50 GA ships. Right now, we have 44 or 43 uh, graduate assistant ships uh, paid by money, by paid uh, by almost a half million. So some people might think of that as 50 GA ships, but it depends how you want to view things, uh, what people are paid. But yeah, I think we know that we need 50 GA ships, and so we have to keep fighting to get that many, that many. and so that means, uh, well, many PhD students need GA ships to survive, and so uh, we were at 24 this year. I know there's a number of people who are entering the PhD program. Uh, there's no reason why somewhere during the next 10 years uh, we shouldn't have 50 PhD students. Could be more, could be less, but that's a reasonable guess. But all the years that I've been here, the progress has been excellent, though, overall. Despite the divisions and everything else, we have a very good group of people teaching here. And a very good, this year, a very good group of graduate students. So that's the basic history of the Department of Mathematics at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas as well as a little bit of a view into the potential future that it has. Sometimes, though, it's more important to look and see why it exists in the first place. These times now when they're talking about cutting programs, I mean, we need better and more science and engineering in Nevada, and mathematics is the language of those courses, so you have to have PhD mathematicians to talk with PhD physicists and PhD biologists and PhD engineers. They all need to get together and that's how the state will progress with solar energy and geothermal energy in, in Nevada. We need that. It's not a time to be cutting back on the sciences, including mathematics. This audio is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. I want to thank Paul Aisley, John Green, Derek DeBose, and Dr. Verma, who I'll do the kindness of not butchering his first name on here, for giving me time out of their busy days and busy schedules in order to conduct the interviews without which I could not have possibly created this. 
All the music that you heard on here is from Macroform. You can find them over at paulshuler.com or opsound.org. This audio has been a co-creation with acmescience.com and was produced with, as John Green so kindly said, He's got, his, he's got, he's got this little device here that's recording our conversation. Thank you so much for listening.